Hi guys, welcome to the Church Split. My name is Will. You guys know what we do here. We help you escape your church's echo chamber, learn to think biblically, and of course, challenge the status quo, which always needs challenging. Uh, if you're new here, like, like and subscribe to the channel. Words are hard, guys. Words are hard. Uh, otherwise, uh, if you'd like, you can support us on Patreon there. You get access to all my apologetics classes one month before they release to the public. So if that's a little incentive for you, great. Uh, if you hate my voice uh, and you don't want to hear me at all early at all, that's totally understandable. But then I have to ask why you're even here to begin with. But anyway, uh, so today I actually have a special guest with me. I have uh, a man by the name of Louis Ungit. Uh, Louis is somebody that I actually got in touch with on Twitter a while back. It's weird because I actually hate Twitter. Absolutely, like I hate the interface and all of it. But at the same time, it's where it seems like platforms and people connect the most. So I've had to kind of, it's the burden I don't want to bear, but I have to bear it. Uh, so I actually got connected to Lewis through um, Damien with the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. I saw them talking once and I kind of got involved and it became like this little circle where we'd all chat once in a while. And uh, ever since then, uh, Lewis and I uh, would were connected. And now for the last year, we were way, I at least was way disconnected from Twitter in general. But I started a new job, was focusing on my career and all that. But Lewis did write a book and he reached out to me a while ago and sent it to me and I wanted to talk to him about it. And I was supposed to have him on a while ago, but I forgot because it's me. I think everyone knows at this point, I have about the attention span of a gnat. So um, anyway, uh, I'm happy to have Lewis on. This is gonna be a fun conversation. We've already had a good conversation uh, prior to the show and I look forward to talking to them more. So with that being said, Lewis, how you doing, man? I am doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. And uh, no problem with the timing. This is perfect, actually. So uh, book is out. You know, people will be able to go ahead and buy it. You know, one of the problems with doing pre-promotion for a book is that you tell people about it, they sound interested, and then it's not available for them. So this is great. People can uh, check it out right away. Right. Well, that's actually the thing, right? Because like, if you do things like, again, if you have a memory like mine, you're like, oh, that sounds so interesting. And then you forget about it because it's not yeah. available. Um, so in fact, that was actually one of the things uh, Dr. Lydia McGrew and her books, Testimonies for the Truth, that ju she just recently dropped. She actually reached out to me about two weeks before it came out. I was like, hey, uh, we're doing a soft release right now. just want to let you know uh, so you can get your book early. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. And it was really cool because now I'm actually we're, I'm going to try to have her on in the next month or so, too, to talk about her book um, now that it's out. So nice. they, let's just, I would like to help create some noise around, especially because your book is unique. But we'll get to that in a minute. First off, Lewis, can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. Um, I uh, have lived, born and raised in Michigan, lived here, um, have a pretty diverse background. My undergraduate is in engineering. Um, I also have a graduate degree in business and a uh, master's of divinity degree as well. Um, I have, like you, spent a ton of time on Twitter mostly because that's where a lot of the conversation for better or worse is happening um, in, in America and um, do a lot of back and forth with atheists, with Christians, with non-Christians, with pagans, with, you know, it's, it's a crazy place. Um, the other day I had a long conversation with a, a Kenyan farmer that farms uh, an acre and a half of, of land without any tractors. So like th those kind of conversations you just can't have in other contexts. So, um, 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, from a back further background perspective, I am married. I got uh, three kids and um, an awesome dog and a couple of cats. And uh, I've, I've been a Christian most of my adult life. I, um, I grew up uh, with a kind of a, a variety of views in the household, but uh, I came to Christ um, when I was in college and uh, have uh, been pretty active in the church and pretty active in apologetics and and uh, pretty active in, in discussions around the faith. It's something that I find super interesting. Obviously, I got some education in that area as well. Yeah, I noticed that. That was one of the things that I, when I first saw you interacting was a lot of times when I see Christians interact with atheists on Twitter, half the time I'm rolling my eyes because it's actually really just not, it's either really hostile or it's just really cringe arguments. Yeah. And I noticed that when you and Damien were kind of debating back and forth that one, it was very friendly. And two, that I was like, oh, this guy actually is good at this. Like yeah, <laughs> he's actually staying on focus. It's not, he's not doing underhanded jabs. He's uh, just trying to interact with the actual idea. Then I remembered you were like, actually, I do think that you mentioned something like, I do actually think beauty is something that helps prove God's existence. Here's a link to an article I wrote once. And so yeah. you, uh, um, you have a bunch of writings that you've done for some apologetics to try to uh, argue for the faith to bring people into the kingdom. Cause that seems like it's a passion of yours, right? You're, you and I discussed yes. er at the beginning of this, uh, earlier before the show that you're like, I'm a more of a mere Christianity guy, right? Just yeah. bring them into the yeah. kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. And that phrase mere Christianity obviously alludes to C.S. Lewis a bit. And I, I absolutely love C.S. Lewis. I find him, um, to be powerful and, and important. Um, and the idea of, of, kind of arguing and contending for the faith in the best sense of that, those words is something I do in part because like I've thought through those things. Those are questions that I've had, you know, like I said, I wasn't raised in, or I didn't grow up Christian. I, I grew up kind of uncertain and I've had to think through a lot of those things. And um, when I see other people that are struggling with those questions, or maybe they're, they're not really struggling, they're confident in a, kind of bad assumptions on th things. Those are things that I, I feel like it's important to have those conversations and important to talk to those people about um, some of the possible flaws they have in their thinking and also offer some alternatives. And then like the argument from beauty, I think is a, is a powerful argument. And it's um, something that um, C.S. Lewis talked about and like the silver chair is something that, uh, Pascal talked about something that um, a lot of great Christians have talked about. And I think it's something that's absolutely true um, and um, really is in some ways a defeater for atheism. Like it's hard for atheism to, to answer those questions. So yeah, those, that's, for me, that's, that's a passion of mine. I, like I love to have those conversations and um, I do it in part um, because um for all the reasons I just talked about, but in part because I, I think that um, those are things that the broader society just doesn't talk about and they just aren't in there. And I think if we're not online, if we're not in the mix, having those conversations, um, it, they just won't be had. And, um, you know, I think as a whole society is kind of sleepwalking down a bad path oh, in a lot of ways. And um, it, I think it's our job to, do our best to 
stop the sleepwalking, at least force people to think, you know, if they want to stay right. atheist, that's up to them, but like at least provide them some challenges to, to their thought. And uh, that's what I hope to do. Right. Absolutely. And I, I couldn't agree more. In fact, there was a, somebody I know um, who's in ministry who recently said something because I engage more on Facebook than I do on Twitter. Maybe I'm showing my oldness a little bit on that. Um, but face, I have a really hard time being concise. If anyone knows me, I am a, I'm a wordy individual. So uh, character limits and me do not get along, which is probably why I should pay for Twitter because then I get more characters, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but on Facebook, I, I do a lot of engagement there. And it, um, and also I, the, the, just, just, you know, the structure of Facebook just makes sense. Okay. I don't have to go through 14 threads. I can just boom, comment, boom, here's the thread easy to find. All right. Anyway, rant over user <laughs> interface is nicer. Anyhow, I, I, again, I'm old, but anyhow, so the thing it's is funny, like, I can't use Facebook. Like I've tried, <laughs> my wife is like, you should get on Facebook. And like, I start doing it and I'm like, this is user interface is so horrible. I can't do it. So it's probably what you're used to. I like that. It's probably, that's yeah, it's probably like, true. I think you could get used to it. But. Although they got to get rid of like the reels and stuff. I get annoyed with that. I'm like, no, go back to normal stuff. But anyway, um, <laughs> so I, but a guy said the other day, like, well, uh, basically made a comment about me that essentially will is always online causing problems and start stirring up, stirring the pot. And it does no, no one any good. What happens if an atheist sees these arguments amongst believers and stuff? I'm like, well, first off, I have these same conversations with atheists. But also, I've also, through the online, like you said, being part of that online community and being engaged in the culture online, because that's where the culture is engaged now, we, I have actually led people to Christ through that. Like, I actually yeah. have, which is a crazy thing to be a part of, where you're like, I literally yeah. use my keyboard to reach yeah. somebody. And it is through that engagement and, and learning how to do that. And of course, online takes a little bit of getting used to, because you have to learn how to approach things in text form uh, in a way that's effective. But it, I actually almost like the text formation better because you can break down the thought process easier. Um, mm -hmm. And people don't realize the fact that's like, actually, no, it's, it becomes very powerful at that way because you can break down each argument by thought by thought. You guys should take time to respond too, right? You're like, mm, that's a good, yeah. that's a good question. Uh, let me, let me think about that before you just have to answer on the spot. So anyway, yeah, yeah. good stuff. Yeah. And, and I feel like, um, you know, if you look at like in the New Testament, they go out into the public square and they have mm -hmm. these discussions and they have these debates. They go to the, the temple, they go out into the, you know, uh, Acropolis or what, like they go out into the public space. And I feel like the public space in the 21st century is online, right? Like there's no public square where everyone's hanging out to have conversations anymore other than online. And mm -hmm. maybe that's not ideal. Maybe, maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad, but it's reality. And I think, you know, that's, that's where we have to be. Right. Absolutely. Um, and that's, that's why I think the culture, again, does, as Christians, we need to be armed and equipped and engaged and uh, don't be sleepwalking and Christians do it too. So um, now I know you got involved in apologetics, arguing for God's existence is a, is a, so that's near and dear to your heart. Something about, of course, bringing people into the kingdom and of course being engaged because you're very, you're very much culturally on the beat. I've noticed that about you and my interactions with you is that you 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 keep up with what's going on in the world. And if certain people, they don't realize, um, in fact, I was talking to a young man earlier today. He's like, well, I'm just apolitical. I don't really want to be involved in politics. I don't really like, I'm like, well, here's the thing. Once you start realizing how it's all connected to your faith and everything, 
uh, even the society or the rearing of your own children, you start caring a lot more about yeah. and start paying attention to the world a lot more. Yeah. Uh, um, so with that being said, there that your book um, is something that has that I think is just approaches something totally differently that has a, kind of taken our culture by storm. So um, yeah. could you tell tell our uh, our audience what your book is and sure. tell us a little bit about yeah. it? It's uh, the the name of the book is Return of the Dragon. Um, the subtitle is The Shocking Way Drugs and Religion Shape People and Societies. Um, it is a book that the idea behind it came to me as I was engaging kind of in that public space um, and listening to podcasts, listening to um, some of the more influential people in the um, in the world right now. Um, guys like Joe Rogan, guys like Graham Hancock just had a big show on Netflix. Um, guys like uh, Michael Pollan, who had a best-selling book about called How to Change Your Mind about drug use. And I started listening to them and listening to some of the things that they were talking about. And they all had this very positive view of psychedelics. They all had this idea of psychedelics as um, transformative, um, talked about it in very religious terms in general. Um, they talk about it as something that makes them a better person, something that helps them to um, put things in perspective, helps them to love other people, helps them to be humble. And they've got all these kind of religious framework for, for viewing psychedelic drugs. And um, that is, as a Christian, that's an interesting thing, right? So who, who are all these people that aren't particularly religious people using all this religious language? And is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? Um, there's a particular drug, DMT, um, dimethyltryptamine, um, that's the active ingredient in uh, ancient Incan drug called uh, ayahuasca um that is incredibly interesting um i heard joe rogan he talks a lot about dmt he talks a lot about ayahuasca and i heard him talking about it and one of the things that he was talking about is the fact that when you take dmt you see these entities um you interact with these beings and um they will give you insight though they'll, they'll tell you um they'll point you in the right direction sometimes they give you creativity that kind of thing and for me i where kind of the genesis of this book happened for me was I wrote an article on my Substack um, that was titled, who are the entities? And it was a question like, who is it you're interacting with? Like if they're real and that's the crazy, the crazy thing about psychedelics as a whole DMT in particular is that people come down from those highs and they say that was real. Right. So when we, you or I, we have a dream, we dream about grandma or we dream about the dog or we dream about some monster coming through our door or whatever. We wake up and we say, okay, that wasn't real. Thank goodness. Whew. You know, like we we're we're happy that it's not real or whatever. People take DMT, they come down and they say, oh, the, those were real entities that I interacted with. Those were, that was real stuff. Um, and um, even atheists do. That's the crazy thing is like there's a Johns Hopkins study of people that took um, DMT um, and they found that a majority of people that took DMT 
that were atheists going in ceased to be atheists. So hmm. a majority of atheists that took DMT ceased to be atheists. And um, the, a big part of that is they said, I saw something that doesn't make sense within a materialistic point of view. And um, a lot of people, and I, I've talked to Christians that are like, well, that's a good thing. Like, it's good. Like they're seeing spiritual stuff. And there's, there's people that are kind of like, should we, inter should we mix psychedelics? Should we mix these things in with kind of the Christian faith? Maybe, maybe having smoking pot, maybe doing LSD, maybe uh, taking psilocybin or doing DMT. Maybe those are good things. And so I heard all that happening. And, and by the way, this, I started working on this a couple of years ago. This has become an avalanche over the last few years. Like this, like now, like Aaron Rodgers, uh, like he came out and said, ayahuasca changed his life. He used born again language. He said, it was like, I came out from my ayahuasca journey and they use the word journey, by the way. And I came out from my ayahuasca journey and it was, it was as though I'd been born for the first time. So he, he literally said I was born again through ayahuasca. Wow. And um, so for me, at first, it was just like this interest of like, what is it? What is going on? Is it a brain phenomenon or is it real? And I came to the conclusion that number one is real and number two is not good. You know, like it's it's very, very not good, especially from a Christian perspective. But I tried to write my book actually from not particularly Christian language. I tried to make the case as though I was talking to a, a fan of Joe Rogan or a, just a regular dude on the street that was interested in, in ayahuasca or whatever. I tried to make the case for what I found in language that anybody could understand. So I, what I really wanted was a book I, I could give to a coworker or I could give to just a random uh, guy on the street. Um, that doesn't come out and say, listen, here's the bi 10 biblical principles of why you shouldn't do this or whatever. Um, <laughs> instead, it, it really starts off. And I, the first couple of chapters, I've had people say, oh, you're too positive towards the drugs. Because the first few chapters, I try to like take seriously what Joe Rogan said about it being positive or take seriously what Graham Hancock said about it being positive. Look at the studies that say it has therapeutic benefits and look at the studies that say that. And I, I tried to give it a fair hearing before then I look at, okay, so those are the potentially good things about it. What are the po possible downsides to it? Um, one of the interesting things I found about psychedelics because as a Christian and as somebody that has a seminary degree and somebody that studied a little bit of Koine Greek and, and um, has knows the feel like I know the Bible pretty well, um, I don't remember seeing anything about psychedelics or whatever in the Bible. And so I started like step number one was this ridiculous step that I took, which was just Googled, what does the Bible say about drugs? Which I'm sure tons of people have done. Right. So what does the Bible say about drugs? And the first page worth of results from Google were all very vague, said almost nothing. A couple of them detailed all the, the passages against alcohol that talk about don't like drink so, too much. Don't get so drunk. Don't be a brawler. sober. right. So some of them were like, hey, drugs are bad because, you know, drinking too much is bad. And so. 
if that's all the argument against drugs from the Bible, then there's not much of an argument against Bible or against drugs, except for the same arguments against alcohol, you know, which, you know, whatever. But um, what I found was someone alerted me to what I should have known from my, from my Greek background is that the word for drugs in the Bible, in the, the language of the New Testament, the Koine Greek, is pharmakia. Um, that's, that's the word that you find in there. And if it yeah. sounds familiar to people, it's where we get the word pharmacy um, or pharmaceutical. Um, and once you realize that, you find it's all over the Bible. Like the word drugs is all over the Bible. But the reason you don't find it, if you just like search an English translation of the Bible, the reason you don't find it is because the, the typical translation of pharmakia is witchcraft or sorcery or um, wizardry or, you know, something along those lines where, mm -hmm. the, and so that really got me interested as I was looking at the subject is like, why, why do we have this word that's drugs that we're translating sorcery? And um, what I found was that in the ancient world, the use of drugs to conjure spirits, to experience the other dimension with, you know, ghosts and demons and gods, that that was often facilitated. Drugs and witchcraft went together. So it, it, it's not a case. Sometimes you translate a language, like if you were translating something from English and you saw the word bark, you would find out the context and you would say, is it a tree's outer lair or is it a dog's, the noise a dog makes, right? That's not the case with pharmakia. They, the word sorcery encompassed drugs, right? The, the two things went together. Shamanism right. often had a drug element to it. Actually, more often than not, had some kind of drug element to it. And then what I found was that that was widespread throughout the Middle East, widespread through the ancient Near East that the Bible was born from. And that it was widespread in, in ancient Greece, it was widespread in Northern Europe, it was wide. So everywhere Christians spread after the writing of the New Testament, um, it was it was everywhere. Um, and, and that shamanism that encompassed drug use or drugs for spiritual purposes as part of their religion um, was everywhere. And um, that's something you know, people need before we say, Hey, we should do is stop, you know, stops people from being atheists. We should just go ahead and do them. Um, we need to remember that the, the warnings in the Bible are extreme against pharmakia, like very extreme warnings. Mm -hmm. Like you will not enter the kingdom of, of heaven. If you do pharmakia, uh, Jesus in the book of revelation says it will lead nations astray. Right. So like there's, there's extreme warnings against this, use of drugs for spiritual purposes, which by the way, I should note, remember getting back to what I said about the, um, the spiritual language that Joe Rogan was using and Graham Hancock was using. And those guys, they're not using these drugs as a recreate. Like these are changing them. They're, they're using them not to have fun. Alcohol does a good job for that. They're using them to be transformed. Right, like there's a therapy. spirit, there's a religious element to it that is inherent to these drugs. In That's fact, the whole reason people use them. 
uh, Jordan B. Peterson, you know, the famous Dr. Peterson even said yeah. in one of his speeches that uh, um, you know, he was talking about the effects of DMT and that he was like, well, you know, one DMT trip can sometimes um, account for uh, – do a, 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 about as good as work as years of therapy can on, on a certain person. Like he was talking about how positive it was. And when you think of Joe Rogan, who is very pro that, and even Dr. Peterson, who, by the way, I love Dr. Peterson. Like I, I love him. But it's like when you have these two juggernauts, even on um, uh, these two juggernauts of the cultural force who are both going like, yeah, these are pretty good stuff for people. It naturally, yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've heard Christians talk about this. Even my uh, my best friend, uh, him and I chat about it. He's like, what do you think about that? He's like, and he always jokes around. He's like, should we take a trip sometime? And I was like, I'm always like, no. <laughs> um, and he's always joking. He's, he actually wouldn't. Yeah. But uh, because of that same thing, the pharmakeia or the pharmakeia, uh, it, that was one of the things I discovered a long time ago, which was like, oh, that's why. Because like you said, shamans, witch doctors, uh, any of these, um, even the oracles uh, in old in in uh rome delphi yeah yeah delphi yeah yep so yeah they all did that go ahead keep going Don't yeah and that's thunder. i mean that's one thing i i want to point out is like i'm not i didn't write any of this because i hate these guys i don't hate jordan peterson or hate joe rogan or hate any of these guys actually i kind of like all these guys i'm writing it because i like them right like i'm writing it because i do care like i i i'm Scared is a bad word, but I'm scared they're going down the a, a terrible road, right? I'm right. I'm I'm trying. I feel like I'm, you know, issuing this giant warning, and as a society, we're going down this path. Um, I always joke. I tell my kids, I'm like, when I was a kid, all the billboards said, "Don't do drugs." Now, 100% of the billboards say do drugs, right? <laughs> like you drive around Michigan and like every billboard is like, hey, go, uh, you know, get high with us or whatever. And it's um, it's a crazy transformation. And, um, you know, when we, a lot of Christians are like disturbed by what has happened with LGBT and how fast all those opinions have changed. And we're like in the 1980s, most people wanted LGBT illegal. That's it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Like that, that was a, a majority in the 1980s. Now an overwhelming majority disagree with that, but also an overwhelming majority think gay marriage is good and all the other, and Christians are concerned about that. I would say rightfully so. But what I always point out is that with drugs, that same change has happened and it's flown under the radar and Christians kind of have their hackles up against LGBT, maybe not enough, but they do. Um, but with, drugs a lot of christians like you said are like open to it they're okay with it and that's something that is the result of ignorance like the result of just not knowing what you're dealing with and this isn't you know the thing i point out is that psychedelics are not just like having a beer on the weekend they're mm -hmm. they're opening something they're opening a portal they're opening something you up to th some things that are real things like I agree with Joe Rogan there. You're actually seeing something real when you do it. And if it's not from God, what is it? You know, and that's the kind of the dark, creepy question behind it of who are those entities? If it's not from God and it's real, who are you interacting with? That's a great question, which is why uh, you, I think you named your, 
He aptly named your book Return of the Dragon, which, by the way, uh, the cover art and everything, this is a very good-looking book. Like it just, It's like, it's not too much. The cover art, I really enjoy it, the whole thing. Um, but anyway, um, so what it, you call the Return of the Dragon. Is there, a, and there's a continual theme throughout of um, serpents. Uh, would you mind kind of exploring yeah. that with us a little bit? Sure. Yeah, that's the wild thing about this um, research I was doing. So I, I kind of got into it and started to read pretty much everything I could find on the subject. And one of the crazy things that actually Graham Hancock said, and he said in the introduction to a, a, a book uh, by Brian Murescu, and he said um, when he takes ayahuasca, he said that he often interacts with um, a serpent entity uh, and he calls he says sometimes she appears as a woman sometimes as a serpent and he said she's mother ayahuasca and that everybody that takes ayahuasca interacts with her that is a very very common um thing to interact with um and creepy. yeah i know and i i remember reading if if i don't know how familiar you are with uh, the narnia books but i remember reading um, in um, the Voyage of the Dawn Treader, um, the character Eustace, who was kind of like this nerdy character that that um, didn't read good books, he just like read encyclopedias or whatever, and he saw a dragon, and saw a dragon's lair, and he went in and started like getting stuff from the lair and stuff. And C.S. Lewis stops and he says, if Eustace had read the right types of books he would know how dangerous what he was doing was. He'd know about the dragons. And I thought that exact phrase when I heard uh, Graham Hancock talk, I'm like he didn't read the right books. He doesn't know how creepy it is to consistently be interacting with a serpent entity. And, you know, I think every Christian gets their hackles up when they hear that. Um, and rightfully so, but so many people are so disconnected from Christian thinking that they don't realize that. So I heard that from Grant Hancock and I found it interesting and I found that it was absolutely true. And I found that throughout hmm. the world, throughout every area that had ever done the shamanism, had some kind of drugs for spiritual purposes that had done that, they all had serpent entities. It's, it's a wild thing. It's you go like country to country to, um, group to group and they all had serpent entities the aztecs had them the incas had them the um north american uh tribes had them the northern european people had them the vikings had them um the uh people within the ancient near east that the bible was written um people don't realize like baal and asherah they had serpent uh incarnations where they would come as serpents often um mm -hmm. and so it's so widespread throughout the world and it's always it mixes with two things it's that shamanism that mixing of drugs and religion and there's the serpent entity and then the serpent almost always asks for a human sacrifice so you see in the in the bible um the the old testament was written in hebrew um, but there, there's a Greek translation that was very popular when the New Testament was written. It's called the Septuagint. Um, and it's actually the Greek translation that the apostles often used as they were writing the New Testament. So when they quote the Old Testament, a lot of times it's in the Septuagint. And 
if you go to the Septuagint and you look up that word pharmakia, um, you'll see that there's like warning after warning of the mixing of human sacrifice and pharmakia. So it will say, for example, um, don't practice pharmakia or burn your children in the fire. Right. So there's that mix of drugs for spiritual purposes, serpent entities, and human sacrifice, which is wildly creepy, like just incredibly creepy. And it happens over and over again in human history and is still happening via Graham Hancock, right? Like he's still writing that. Now, the human sacrifice part hopefully is not part of his life, but like I'm just saying that serpent entity keeps coming up through the use of drugs for spiritual purposes. And um, it's something I think we should all be aware of. And when we talk about if those entities are real and if one of them is this creepy serpent entity that's got dark demands, like I think it's it's something that um, should put us all on high alert when it comes to the kind of widespread, hey, let's all do these drugs. They're, <laughs> they're great for us. Well, uh, what I kind of brought to mind, I'm just thinking out loud here, because um, if all these people have these visions or interactions with some sort of serpent entity. Um, and for those of you who are listening who do not know, you might just be like, oh, maybe it's just a way it impacts the brain, I guess, on humans. But you have to understand something like there's, so one of the many theories as to why the apostles believed Jesus Christ rose from the dead, outside of the obvious that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, um, there's different theories that skeptics have come up with. You know, there's the the he wasn't really dead theory, um, which has problems with it because Romans were never known to fail executions. But one of the other ones is a hallucination theory, which is just this mass hallucination that all the people who saw the risen Jesus were mistaken. They must have hallucinated. But the problem is that there is no recording ever in history where people have shared a hallucination because it's a hallucination. How, how would you share that? That's, that's, a, that's a something from your own mind, right? So now that I think it out loud, and this is correlated in my mind, how bizarre is that, that if everyone's seeing a serpent entity of some sort, and they're all, and I've heard similar things. I, I, I'm not sure if I ever heard serpent entity, but I have definitely talked to people who have done drugs, like intense drugs. I've been in ministry, okay? I've heard it all. But um, when I when I've talked to these people, they you're right. They do speak in like a spiritual sense that they interact with things. That there's definitely something like they're like, oh no, you see so much more. Like and you're right. They use like enlightenment language and that there's things that they cannot describe with uh, with the human tongue and things like that. So it makes it kind of shows a, to a point that there has got to be one. It does show that there is a supernatural element um, to our to our existence. But also, it's got another thing that helps prove the fact that it's a supernatural something. Something's got to be supernatural about it. You're interacting with something spiritual that you don't know. Is the fact that everyone is sharing the same stories? Yeah, yeah, I, that that's a great point. Yeah, the the fact that they're seeing the same stuff um, is something I touch on in my book, and it's it is absolutely hard to explain from a materialistic standpoint. The other thing I point out with the because everybody I talk to says that they're like well it's just a brain phenomenon you know like there's just something going on in your brain but the thing i point out is like if if we take um science as the observation of things right so all uh, you bring boil it down and what science is is like we we have a hypothesis and then we test it by 
by observing it, right? Like there's this empiricism to it, or you, you look at things. And when you take the most skeptical atheist person in the world and they do these drugs, they don't say what a weird brain phenomenon that was. They say that was real, right? Like Joe Rogan was a hardcore atheist. He says, oh, that was real, right? Graham Hancock was an atheist. He says, oh, that was real. So, and like I said, a majority of atheists that take this say that was real. So the the idea that it's not real is uh, hard to square with the fact that everybody that actually sees it says it is real, right? So that like there's, it's, it's, you're kind of forced to say it's an anti-science perspective almost to say it's not real because everybody that actually interacts with this thing says it is. Right. So then at that point, you know, I can already hear it's different people get into more and more bizarre uh, theories to try to discount uh, certain parts of it. Right. Like, well, yeah. what define real? If it's real in your mind, isn't it real? Like, I, I've, I've heard those types of arguments. This gets uh, increasingly absurd. And that's why, why it's yeah. in my mind where it's like, well, and that's always made me nervous when I heard it. Because I knew uh, from back in my early 20s when I did some research on, because um, I was raised in a very strict environment. So I got to the point where I was like, all right, what does the Bible really say? What is really taught? And that's what started like my insatiable need to always read and learn. And uh, basically, uh, that was one of the things I got to. I was like, okay, cool. What's the Bible say about alcohol? Okay, it says not to be a drunkard, basically. Okay, cool. So I can have a glass of wine, no problem. And then I was like, what about drugs? Is that bad? And then, it, but then I came up across, you know, the pharmacaea or the pharmacaeo, depending whichever uh, tense you're using. But the, the, when I came across that, it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, now, like you said, I've seen this shift happen. And I can't help but wonder if he's talking about how this is witchcraft or the Bible talks about how this is witchcraft. This, there is definitely an element here that Christians need to recognize. It's not good. <laughs> it's yeah. actually something that's actually quite sinister. There's got to be a reason why that's there. And actually, I was I'm I'm wondering now off the top of my head, um, have have you come across any studies that show like negative impacts of of these things at all, or is it so far still pretty positive as far as that's concerned? Um, th yeah, there's I mean, there's definitely negative impacts, and I touch on some of that in the book. Um, there's you know, it adds to um, psychosis. Um, I didn't include this particular an anecdote in the book, but I'm friends with a psychiatrist. And she said that um, it's almost 100% of the time when she meets someone and uh, has, a, has a client that is um, struggling with bipolar or struggling with um, schizophrenia, she said it's there's a giant correlation between psychedelic and marijuana and other other drug use and those so there there certainly is a lot of warning signs that it does lead to um psychosis and other problems with um with the um, brain from a long-term perspective um so yeah there there's there's certainly therapeutic benefits but there's also warning signs there um but you know, one of the things I point out is like I, I think that the bigger concern for me is that state, though that question of who it is you're interacting with, mm -hmm. um, because it it really is in in my mind it's it's a spiritual interaction almost a hundred percent of the time. Um, and I'll I'll say this, I said I wasn't raised Christian, I did psychedelics. I talk about that in the book. Um, oh. and I, I, I've, I've done them and, um, 
I I can attest it was a spiritual um it was a spiritual experience. It certainly was. You feel like you understood everything and you feel like you've um you've got uh you've you've seen into this other world and you know more than other people. Um and you've got this confidence um that you've got there. So there is you keep bumping into the spiritual. Michael Pollan, um, who wrote How to Change Your Mind, very pro psychedelic book, but he 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 says if you do these drugs, he, he in particular was talking about psilocybin, which is the um, ingredient behind magic mushrooms, um, the active ingredient. But he says, if you do these, sooner or later, you will bump into the spiritual. Hmm. He, he has that phrase. I, I quote it in my book. But um, it, so it's, they're inherently spiritual. And the, the funny thing about modern America, I shouldn't say funny, but not, you know, the interesting thing about modern America is we hear the word spiritual and we say, oh, that's good. You know, like I, I say, hey, Will, I had a spiritual experience. And you say, oh, that was gr that's great. I'm so glad you had a spiritual experience. In the ancient world, they would say, well, was it a good spirit or a bad spirit? Right? Mm -hmm. They would say, was, was your spiritual experience, um, you know, what kind of spiritual experience was it? Right? So there's, there's a... Spirits can be point, yeah. good or, or bad, right? Like uh, having a spiritual experience in modern America seems good, but like there's by no means is that the case, right? You can have spirits that lead you astray, spirits that help you, spirits that want to destroy you, spirits that, you know, and, and so we've lost that discernment in modern America where we're like, oh, if it's spiritual, it's good. And um, you'll hear people like going on, uh, Joe Rogan or talking to Graham Hancock or whatever. And, and they'll talk about all these decisions they made because they had this spiritual experience, whether it's doing yoga or standing up on a mountain or, or doing drugs or whatever. And they'll say, I had this spiritual experience and I decided to quit my job and become a Zen Buddhist monk or whatever. And that sounds good on some level because it was a spiritual experience that led them to it. But if you have that critical mind about spiritual experiences and you say, um, well, what spirit? Then all of a sudden, that no longer seems like a an automatically good decision, right? Like it, it, all of a sudden, you're if if the spirit is tricky, or hates you, or wants to um, sabotage your life, or thinks it's funny to give you bad advice or whatever, if that's the spirit you're dealing with, don't follow that advice, right? And people don't have that discernment anymore. Um, it's just like, oh, I felt a spiritual experience, so I should I should do what that experience led me to do. You know, that's a really good point. Um, this last week, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him, Dr. Michael Heiser, he passed away. Um, and he's a, a big theologian. Um, he's greatly impacted many people, including myself, um, with his books like On the Unseen Realm. But then he also wrote a book on angels and a book on demons. And that is one of the things that as you're talking about, I'm like, yeah, because there is a spiritual reality, especially Christians. Christians just have to accept the fact we we use the term supernatural like oh it's something that's supernatural but obviously what we mean is that something that's non-material because there really isn't much of a difference between the natural and the supernatural both of them in the christian world would be part of the natural world but the thing is is that we have to acknowledge the fact that there could be evil spirits there could be bad spirits there could be good spirits but the the evil spirits idea is something that's very very on, early on in christianity it still was in ancient judaism all of that and that's because and that they always will come off to like they're trying to be your friend that's the whole point they're supposed to be deceivers you know uh i think people think of evil spirits and they think they're gonna watch like one of the conjuring movies and like oh that's what an evil spirit is like well not 
not necessarily. Yeah. Um, not all of them are that openly, obviously nefarious, but um, yeah, that's really, that's a really uh, good. Yeah. Point. And, and to add to what you just said, like in the Bible, often it's the opposite right? Often the angels scare people. Like you'll see the angels and, and the people will drop down in fear and the angel will have to almost always like the angels first words are be not afraid, right? Like that's because they're freaked out by the angel. In contrast, look at how reasonable the serpent talking to Eve sounded. <laughs> the ser serpent is like, Hey, listen, you can open your mind. You can be like gods. You could try something new. He reasoned with her. He empowered her. He helped her to kind of come out of her shell and challenged her to do something new. So the, the, the serpent in, to Eve is, is like this wise, good, helpful serpent right like and same with jesus in the in jesus's temptation where the serpent's like hey i can help you get food i can help you know you can change that rock and into bread and i can help you get power here's how you can do that so the 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 idea and often i get that response where people will say well i've done psychedelics and the the entities i interacted with were good they helped me they gave me advice they they gave me helped me to you know, learn more about myself or whatever. And my response is like, yeah, they, the serpent helped Eve too. They helped Jesus. <laughs> like they, 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 and the demons are helpful usually like not in the way you want, not in the long term, not in for your ultimate goal and your ultimate purpose, but that's almost always how they present themselves to begin with. That is, yeah, and that's exactly it. Where it because that's the whole point, right? Like I'm going to benefit you, but it's usually something for the expedience, um, and like it's like a sabotage. And then uh, what I, I want to go back to quickly what you said a second ago as well when you talk about like spiritual. That's like a new thing I, I'm even seeing like on Christian dating apps. I'm hearing I'm not on Christian dating apps. I just know people who are. So, so everyone knows happily married. Okay, okay cool. All right, cool. I, I can already see that. Be like someone's like, oh my goodness, Will. Anyway, um, but. I've already heard like that's one of the things on Christian dating apps you run into like well I'm just spiritual and it turns into this big vague yeah. and the whole point of the Christian of the Christian life is like yes we're all spiritual beings period we all are we, to be human is to be spiritual yeah. period the question is is what spirit are you attaching yourself to you know is it, are, is it going to be something that's like that could be, pull you away or can, okay, is it going to be something like the Holy Spirit and Christ and following his way and to just participate in his resurrection when he returns uh, it's like what, what what spirit do you want to be aligned with what spirit do you want to be fellowshipping with and that is a good question and that is something I'm not sure a lot of people have completely confronted in their own spiritual lives. And that, that's what makes your book so fascinating to me because it was such a different take. It's just, um, they, that's something that is not written about. I, I don't know of a single Christian work currently, but it could be because it's just not in my scope of attention, but I just don't know of any other work that's like taking the psychedelics issue by storm because it's huge right now. Like huge. Yeah. I, and that's why I wrote it is like, there's, there is a dearth of, of warnings about this from a Christian perspective and especially written from a perspective of not, like I said, 10 biblical principles about drug use, but like from a, how, what are the, what are the potential pushbacks? And you've offered them here is like, what are those pushbacks? I try to address all of those of like, what are, what is your, next door neighbor going to ask you about it because they're not going to ask you what are the 10 principles right they're going to ask <laughs> you 
they're going to ask you what's wrong with it. Like I, I've tried it. Like, why is it bad? You know, those are the questions they're going to ask, or isn't it just in the brain or whatever, like those. Are, and so I think there is absolutely a need for this and hopefully this message will spread and, and other people will start talking about it, but it's absolutely needed right now in culture for people to start asking these questions. And, and I tried to write it um, as a short, book too like i had 300 pages or something and i <laughs> added a lot of that um to my website if people check out, check out my substack a lot of the extra chapters are up there on the on the substack but i tried to keep it as short and concise as possible so that people didn't get lost you know sometimes you know people throw you you get killed by too much information you get two quarters of the way through the book or, or three quarters of the way through the book and, and you drop it or halfway through the book and you drop it. Um, I tried to make it as readable as possible so that your next door neighbor can read it and understand it and, and hopefully um, have, have an impact from it. And yeah, nobody's wrestling with this. Like I said, I, I like, I feel like Christianity right now is sleepwalking on, on psychedelics. I think we're all caught up in other very important cultural issues like i'm not downplaying the importance of things like abortion or things like um lgbt or whatever not at all like those are very important issues but i am i'm saying we're missing one of them and this is one of them that's that's happening very fast right now even uh with you saying that like i'm like over here like already making mental notes like make sure i look some of these things up later and go down the rabbit holes um because yeah, yeah. I, it's just, it's one of those things I'm sleepwalking on. Like, I knew I was concerned about it, and I was like, I feel like no, because pharmacia and, you know, all those things, like, those were things in my mind. But even then, it wasn't like, oh, I need to put that on the, you know, front and four point. I need to definitely address that on my show right away. You know, that wasn't yeah. even the number one thing. And so it's having this conversation definitely is enlightening where it's like, ooh, I really do need to look into this more. Um, and one of the, and although I got to say, going from like 300 pages and like chopping it down, that's a big deal. I'm almost at 300 pages right now in my own book. And yeah. I, and I'm just writing on the atonement and I'm realizing I wanted to cut, there's so many things I've wanted to cover. And I started to realize that there's so many things I got to leave on the chopping wood floor and just go, yeah. I'm really hoping that within these set pages, I leave enough breadcrumbs for these people to go find fill in those blanks in between yeah. what, what their yeah. own research it's really it's not it's not easy writing a book i've discovered that uh, i discover my own inadequacies each and every day while i work on it um but yeah, yeah this yeah that, it is it is hard you that's why <laughs> the benefit of having a sub stack or something is you can say i i love this it's beautiful it's not going to go in the book but people can still read it you know mm -hmm. they can still get it you can still put it put it up somewhere where people can get to it but yeah it's difficult to uh to trim that trim that down oh for, for sure, sure. now uh where can people find your Substack and your website by the way okay so uh lewis and that's spelled with the e so l e w i s ungit u n g i t um and that my Substack is lewis ungit .substack.com, my website, which I don't use as much. I've pretty much switched 100% over to Substack now, but there's some old articles up there. Um, that's just lewisungit.com. So people can check those out.
Okay, cool. And um, now, before we wrap up too much, um, so your book explores basically psychedelics, what's happening in the culture by storm. You're not necessarily approaching, I think you mentioned, like, you're not trying to approach it from a Christian perspective the entire time either. You're that, because you're, you're, you're kind of your point is this, like, I just want to warn people of the dangers of it, is what yeah. it sounds like. Like, Yep. Yeah, no, I, I think, um, you know, obviously, I'm a Christian. And uh, obviously, that's important to me. But I tried to write the book so that an atheist could pick it up. And at the end of the day, I agree with the book, at least. They don't need to agree with me as about Christianity, but I agree with the book, at least. And I, I, I believe that it does that job. Like, I think it, it will at least cause people to start questioning um, just the assumption that these are good and that it's, it's going to be helpful. Absolutely. I'd agree with that. I think that's really interesting. And it's definitely something that I'm going to look into now. Uh, so if I start texting you randomly for sources, <laughs> do not be surprised. I have uh, uh, my friends, Brad and Seamus, they're, uh, like, they're um, some uh, Jewish friends of mine. And I'm always shooting them texts, asking them questions about it because they're experts in the field. But then I get information, see, then I get to come off like an expert. So it's really fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no problem. And and the book does have lots of citations. I tried to, I cited every study that I included, like the bibliography is big. So anybody that is skeptical and reading the book um, can go check out those sources um, within the book as well. And that's important too, is, you know, making sure that's like, Hey, look, man, I've done my research. I know what I'm talking about. And that's something that even I'm having to do. Like I'm making sure I'm like, all right, I need a source for that. Like if you look at my document, I have parts highlighted, like grab source, grab source, this book, that book. Like yeah. I know what books they are. I just need to start footnoting like a madman in certain areas. But um, honestly, I think what you're, what you're doing here is actually bring, pointing a light on something that Christianity has been sleepwalking on. They have been ignoring. And it's probably because, you know, like I said, there's these giant issues of our, our marriage, marriage that's threatening our very families, you know, then it's like, oh, abortion, okay, that's threatening our very children. And then, but people aren't realizing that there's this whole thing of, of psychedelics that are happening right now, which is like, yeah, but that's threatening your very spiritual walk. And yeah. Um, you you don't know what you're letting in. And I've noticed as well that some people who constantly are doing things like DMT and uh, things like that, you can sometimes run into people who do, do, almost do have, like like I said, more de depression and uh, anxiety I've seen. Uh, I've seen more bipolar. In fact, actually, one guy I know, um, the guy who first started talking to me about this was someone who was agnostic. Um, he really struggled with God. And I mean, we, we got, I mean, there was one day he just snapped, we were just talking and I was like, well, what about this? And he just starts yelling at, at me. Like I asked a basic question. He just flipped, grabbed his chair and chucked it down my friend's driveway and just absolutely snapped. I've never seen anything like it before. And then he was a screaming, I'm like veins popping from his neck screaming. He's a big dude and he's ripped too. And I was like, I am way too close for this moment right now. And, uh, he and I just and it was funny because every time you talk to him, he would just keep saying how he has to keep doing these things because they, they help him grow. And I'm looking at him going, dude, I've seen the way you are. I don't think they're helping. I think they're hurting. <laughs> yeah, it's not not growth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, anyway, I just really appreciate you actually writing this book. I'm actually um, planning on ordering my own physical copy of it. He, uh, Lewis was kind enough. He sent me a digital copy and he sent me an audiobook version. And um, I listened to that. I, I, ha I read through the PDF a little bit, but I have a hard time reading books on screens. 
And so I was like, I read enough to get the gist and I was like, I just need to get a physical copy. Um, yep. And I want to really just pour through that, especially after this conversation, because I definitely think it's something that's needed. And I, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. There is a audible version for anybody that likes to listen to books. Um, it's up on Amazon so they can check out the book. Make sure when they, it, right. Um, your version I read b oh, okay. before I had the money to pay somebody to do it. So there's a better version that uh, somebody read, but uh, um, <laughs> I always like when the um, author does it. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm weird yeah, like that. <laughs> I know it is so much work to, to read a book, you know, the full book. So I, uh, I, I, I did. Did pay someone, but uh, but when people search it, if you if you just search "Return of the Dragon" ungit u n g i t, um, you'll find it. It'll it'll pop up. Actually, one. I went on Amazon. I typed Amazon. in "Return of the Dragon," and it yours was the first one. Just popped oh, nice. right up. Okay. So cool. um, you're they're they're you're hitting your um you're hitting the algorithm. So that's good. 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 Um. So anyway, uh, Lewis, I really appreciate the work you've done. I really have. Um. I think. Uh, uh, you definitely even opened up my eyes to it, and it's something I'm going to look into, and I hope that the rest of the audience does too. So, guys, go support my friend here. He's done great apologetics work. This, uh, you guys might not realize it, but he's one of those. He's one of the good ones. Uh, if you don't know who he is, he's one of the good ones. He's one of the ones online. He's engaging regularly. He writes. He's thoughtful and um, very friendly and kind too. Um, but he's also not afraid to say it, tell it the way it is. But it's kind of he'll, you'll, you have a way of telling it the way it is without being a jerk, if that makes sense. At least in my experience, I've seen. I mean, I'm sure we we all slip from time to time. Once in a while, we gotta throw a hand grenade. Yeah, yeah, I I try. I definitely am not perfect, but I try. Yeah, you do you do good. You do good. You probably do better than me. But I'm the church split guy, so it comes with the, it comes with the name. I I, I I have a free pass to be a jerk. I'm just kidding. I don't. I don't be a jerk for Jesus. But anyway, um, so Lewis, I appreciate it. Um, everyone, go check him out. Um, and also all the links to all these things of his are going to be in the description down below. So please check out Lewis's work. Check out his book, Return of the Dragon. And uh, let's no longer sleepwalk on this issue as a church, because remember we we're talking about challenging the status quo. That's what we said at the beginning of all this, learn to think biblically and challenge the status quo. Well, this is one of those things. Escape your echo chamber and learn the fact that, hey, maybe we as a church really should focus on this issue board, take it a little bit more seriously because we have young people who are running to it in droves for their self-help when we should be having a run to Christ and his word for the work that only he can really do to make you new. So with that being said, uh, Lewis, do you have any other final comments? Thank you so much for having me on. And uh Really appreciate uh, the kind words here, and thank you for your ministry. You do an awesome job as well. So, well, I appreciate it, man. And we're we're just going to keep on fighting the good fight. And hey, since you're in Michigan, one of the times we just need to go grab a, grab breakfast or coffee or a beer or something sometime. So, uh, but absolutely, anyway. that'd be great. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, don't forget to like and subscribe to the channel. Don't forget to check out Lewis's work, and uh, we'll see you next time on the Church Split. So, take care, and God bless.